This is Unfiltered, episode 96 for May 7th, 2014. What can Barack Obama do? Probably in the short run. It's helping Ukraine become stronger. It's economic, it's political, it's military. We're not talking about tanks and planes. We're talking about basic police uh, organization and training. What we're seeing is the Ukrainian police forces and military forces are borderline incompetent. Anything we could do to strengthen them with intelligence and training and and relevant light arms would probably help. So if we we give them night vision goggles and body armor, I keep saying we, but I hate when I say we. Welcome again to another edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news that you should not be watching. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 96, four away from the big one. My name is Jason Newsom. Joining me every single week, getting all the stories, all the clips. Mr. Chris Fisher. Hey, Chris. Hello there, Mr. Nunes, and hello, everybody. Welcome to a big show this week. We got a lot big of my show. favorite topics. We have a recent batch of topics we've been covering, Huge. and we've got. Not only some big updates, but get ready for this. Yeah. A little bit of good news. Hey, and by the way, Chris, did you know that the NSA is still flipping crazy? <laughs> did you know that? Are you reading the show notes? Are you reading I have ahead? No, no. You wouldn't Whoa! Be you wouldn't be reading ahead Wait, at all, would you? I mean, they haven't changed in over 50 episodes. Oh, that's weird. That's weird. I mean, the uh, first top story. NSA right, is yeah. still crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And uh, you know what? We have uh, some... If you guys haven't checked out the show notes recently, they've had some good upgrades. Well, yeah, I know. With, a lot of people have vision. By, by Not only that, People but, have noticed? Well, yeah, and people have noticed. Oh. And if you look at... Once we get to the Ukraine, I, this is awesome. Best Putin picture ever? <laughs> Best. Oh, man. I've resisted that one for... I have that in my personal collection. Whoa. And I, what? Yeah, no, yeah. And what? I just... I, well, no, I, you know... I is just that something ha- you look at before you go to bed? No, before I do on filter. You, you bust out Putin? Yeah, I always bust out a picture of Putin. You know, you know, I realize that's what you have on the toilet back there. Mm-hmm. You have, a, like, a small little picture of Putin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just his face, Picture though. of Putin. So did you see this uh, Al Jazeera exclusive that was making the headways? It got, like, it's a top story, I think, in our unfiltered subreddit this week, too. It's uh, exclusive emails reveal how close Google's relationship is with the NSA, and it's closer than you knew. Ooh, did you I'm, hear I'm, about this? I, I, no. <laughs> Yeah, so Al Jazeera obtained two sets of email communications dating from a year before Snowden even became a household name, Mr. Chase. Uh, On the morning of June 28, 2012, an email from Mr. Keith Alexander, the the Keith Alexander, the former head of the NSA, uh, emailed Schmidt, Eric Schmidt of Google and Larry Page and Sergey. Well, so he must have their their straight up internal emails. Well, actually, they there was. Uh, it's funny you say that because he's uh, Sergey responded back with like, "Oh, actually, I don't check my Google Mail email at this one," and it was redacted from the disclosure. But uh, Keith Alexander wanted to set up meetings with a small number of CEOs uh, because he wanted Silicon Valley to help. They say about six months ago, and this is in the email, we began focusing on the security of mobility devices. Alexander wrote a group that which consists of primarily Google. Apple and Microsoft recently came together on an agreement, a set of core security principles. With this reach, this point in our projects, we schedule, we'll have scheduled classified briefings for the CEOs of key companies to provide them with a brief on specific threats that we believe can be mitigated and to seek containment from their organizations to move ahead or wow. commitment. I'm sorry, it's kind of hard to read on the screen. Yeah. Google's participation in refinement, engineering, and deployment of this framework was essential. 
Now, the classified briefing cited by Alexander was part of a select government initiative known as the Enduring Security Framework. Did you hear about any of this? No. Now, of course, it's not too weird that maybe Google and uh, other big companies would be working with the NSA for legitimate purposes. I mean, there is legitimate work to be done there. But I thought uh, learning about this, this um, what did they call it, the security framework, this enduring security framework, this is kind of new information. It, and despite all these Snowden leaks, we hadn't really heard a lot about this. But there's another new piece of information. That's the bigger one, that they were having these meetings with the CEOs. Well, surprise, surprise. I bet you can guess how these meetings went. These meetings were de- basically designed to scare, quote unquote, the bejesus out of these CEOs. There is at least one important initiative in this area. It's about four years old, but until now, little has been said about it. As part of what's called the Enduring Security Framework, chief executives of top U.S. corporations are brought to Washington two or three times a year for a one-day classified briefing by General Alexander and other officials. For each session, the CEOs get special top-secret clearances so they can be told about the latest in cyber weaponry. They can then go back to their companies and take steps to deal with the threats they hear about, threats they may not previously have taken seriously. In the words of one government participant, we scare the bejesus out of them. So they bring in these CEOs. They make them feel like the big dick in the room because they give them temporary classified access to information that they're working on. Then they scare the crap out of them by telling them all these, you know, boogeyman stories about the (laughs) cyber threat. Uh, and uh, one of the guys from Mandiant Security, these are the guys that traced back at a persistent threat in China. We talk about them a lot on TechSnap. Yeah. He says, for example, they would spin them a story about how the NSA already has the capability of bricking all of the computers in their organizations, and a bad guy could do it too. Richard Baitlick, chief security officer at the Mandiant Company, says for one CEO he knows, the Alexander briefing was a life-changing experience. He got a one-day secret clearance. General Alexander sat him down, told him what was going on. This particular CEO, in my opinion, should have known, but did not. And now it's colored everything about the way he thinks about this problem. At one session in the spring of 2010, tech company CEOs were told, quote, we can turn your computer into a brick. Yeah, and this actually goes back to, I don't know if you remember, the, do you remember the BIOS plot that was coming oh, yeah. on CBS yeah, News? Like, yeah, that's what yeah. they're talking about here. So it was Dell. It's now come out that it was Dell and HP as well. They went to them and said, well, look, there's a BIOS plot, and we could brick your computers. And they worked with Dell and HP to, to patch the BIOS. And this is like the, the go-to example now of the BIOS fear, plot. Fear, fear, fear. Yeah, and just trying to scare him. And, of course, you get some CEO, you know, he's feeling or she's feeling all like a big wig. You should get, she gets a special debriefing from the head of the NSA. And about, then all of a sudden, bam! Yep. Yeah. So uh, I just thought that was a particular interest, and we'll have more information in the show notes. You guys can go check that out. And the Enduring Security Framework sounds like a great name, doesn't it? And uh, I have the full report about trying to scare the bejesus out of the CEOs. It's an NPR report that uh, you guys can go find. Uh, Chase, before we get to some good news, I do have a couple of like odd bits to follow up on. Yeah. Remember a couple of weeks ago I told you Merkel would be visiting from Germany? This is the first visit since the whole NSA shenanigans. And how you know, she was really pissed off on how we were just spying right. on everything that right. she was doing. And yep. so is some people in the German industry. They yep. want, you know, they're pressuring Merkel's office to do something about this. Right. And yep. also, I don't know if you remember, but Merkel requested that when she got here, she'd like to see her dossier. Yeah. Well, well, we'll see how that went. Talking <laughs> about Ukraine gives the two world leaders a chance to publicly present a unified stand. They uh, did a joint press conference, as as you might expect, a lot of the questions around Ukraine, but not all of the questions. Talking about the NSA does not 
but they had to still as questions about spying dominated half the press conference. <laughs> Merkel is facing heat at home for not responding forcefully enough to the NSA's activities in Germany. Lawmakers in Germany want the U.S. to agree to a no-spy treaty with them. But President Obama said that no such treaty exists with any nation. And both he and Chancellor Merkel admitted that resolving the NSA fiasco will require more work in the future. We do not have a blanket no-spy agreement with any country, uh, with any uh, of our closest partners. So we're just going to continue looking. We're going to continue spying. Uh, because, you know, we don't have that agreement. So we're basically, just do it. yeah, that's what he's saying. Then, then what he's about to say is, you know, and then as we get caught, we kind of hash out some basic ground rules. We're doing with the Germans as we're doing with the French, as we do with the British or the Canadians or anybody, is to work through uh, what exactly uh, uh, the rules are governing the relationship between each country. So let me ask you a question, Chris. Yeah. You got some kids. You got three of them, right? I think. I can't keep it straight. That, that you know of. Well, hello. And maybe perhaps your kid gets, uh, you know, a little hungry, wants to go for that cookie jar. And they get their hand caught in that cookie Have jar. Have at it, Haas. Then, then they want to uh, you know, try to work out something. Dad, I'm sorry. You know, hey, this will be the only time. Can we work out some sort of cookie deal? Right, right. So what it sounds like to me, Chris, is <laughs> all these con- countries that he just mentioned, you know, the U.K., Canada, yeah, yeah. and Germany. Yeah. You know, obviously, once they found out about this program, they worked out these side internal deals. Yeah. But we're not hearing about those other countries. No, well. Because we're going to continue spying until they catch us. Once they catch us, yeah. then we'll work out something. Yeah, well, and Germany happens to be in a great position because we really need them to go along with us to, to, to push yep. the whole EU into sanctions against Russia. Yep. And so they get a little extra leverage over us than most right now. Right. Oh, okay, so I'll back up this a little bit. This is, uh, this is Merkel, and if you listen closely... She's not making a big deal out of it because she's standing right next to Barry. But you can also tell at the same time, perhaps she's not going to let this issue rest. The whole debate, uh, Mr. Dijin, has shown that the situation is such that uh, we have a few difficulties yet to overcome. So this is why there's going to be this cyber dialogue between our two countries. And this is also why there needs to be and, and will have to be more than just business as usual. Now that that's not a very strong statement, but what she's saying there is, you know what? It's it's never going to be business as usual no, anymore. It's it's, not, it has yeah. to be more we than work that. This out. Uh, but there, that at the end of the day, though, essentially Merkel got nothing that she wanted as far as the NSA. She was C blocked the whole way down. On this latest trip to the U.S., Merkel had been urged to bring up the issue yet again and demand some answers. But as RT's Peter Oliver reports, it seems Germany got no such satisfaction. It did seem that Germany, here in Germany, they wanted to see a full investigation into everything that had been done. Um, It now seems that the German government themselves have changed their position on that, that um, they no longer want to look into what they once referred to as Stasi tactics, that they now are willing to let this pass by. They had asked for a document to say that there would be a no-spy treaty between Germany and the United States. The U.S. said we don't issue those kind of documents. So, therefore, Mrs. Merkel came back from D.C. without that type of document. She also came back without being able to see um, her own dossier. The dossier that had been um, gleamed from looking into her personal phone records, being gleamed from looking into whatever information the NSA uh, had on her. 
Not too surprising, I suppose. But I thought if anybody was going to get it, it would be one of the elites. Uh, and then, of course, after this trip with her buddy Barry, she also decided, you know what, we're not going to have test. We're not going to have testimony from Snowden, which, by the way, was going to be in person. Now, something else that had been quite a major issue here in Germany was that Edward Snowden should be able to appear in person to give testimony at a parliamentary investigation into just how much the NSA had spied upon the people of this country. Now, Mrs. Merkel has said that. That certainly isn't going to happen in no way. So following this visit of the German Chancellor to Washington, it does seem that it's Washington that calls the shots when it comes to U.S.-German relations at the moment. So basically the Germans get nothing on this. Now, here's the interesting thing about that Snowden thing. Snowden was going to testify in person. Now, there's a little thing about German law where uh, earlier on, before like uh, he'd settled in Russia... He put out a lot of asylum requests to a he lot did. of countries. Yeah. Germany was one of them. Germany declined it on a technicality, the technicality being he wasn't physically there in the country to submit the asylum request. Oh. So if he was flown in with protection to do a testimony, he would then have been on German soil and could have filed a asylum request that then Germany would have very publicly had to either make a big decision on whether they wanted to accept it or not. So I think what Merkel has done here is just said, you know what? I'm trying to get some work done with my buddy Barry. We got this big trade agreement we're working on. We got to get that done. Yeah. We got this Ukraine situation that I'm getting worried about. Yep. We'll just back burner this NSA stuff for now. Snowden, you're not flying here. You're not doing testimony. If you want, if you want, you can submit something in writing. I'll take that. And uh, <laughs> as protest, I don't know what the official title is, but the head of uh, the de- depositions uh, in in the German government stepped down over this because they were so upset that they declined Snowden's visit. It's just like that's it, I'm out, I quit. Wow. Yeah. So it's a little bit of uh, a little bit of upset over there. Now, are you ready for some good news? Now we haven't had good news in a long time. I know. Us. So when I, I saw this story, I, I st- you know what. Being pessimistic uh, with what's happening with our world and our government, I still don't believe this. Well, I got two for you. I got two stories. And so maybe you got a 50-50 shot. Either one's going to work out. First one. This one is one that bugs me so much. You know, we've talked about it before, but it's been a long time. There's that 180-day loophole or whatever it is, or anything that's been opened in your email where without even a warrant... They just go for it. They just go for it. They just go for it. Well, a new report urges the White House to push for reforming this law. Meanwhile, in a report on big data and privacy issued last week. The White House advisors encouraged the president to update a 1986 law allowing police, without a warrant, to read emails that have either been opened or are more than 180 days old. Reforming this Electronic Communications Privacy Act, or ECPA, has been a pet cause for privacy advocates who say this police action should always require a warrant. Now, with President Obama's advisors also calling to remove archaic distinctions between email left unread or over a certain age, our emails could be given the same Fourth Amendment treatment as a good old letter and a stamp. Congress is considering legislation to update the law, but the bill has yet to reach the floor of the Senate. All right, so that's one. Now, number two is uh, this. Actually, I got three stories. Or that first one, I'm not too convinced because right yeah. now it hasn't. Just to recommend, and yeah. Obama doesn't make law himself. I know. Yeah. However, how about this one? So remember we talked about there's two bills that are are sort of racing to make it to the floor. One is sort of coming from the Feinstein and uh, Rogers camp, and the other is being primarily authored by the guy who originally wrote the Patriot Act and then has later said way too far. In fact, his exact quote was, I authored the Patriot Act, and this is an abuse of that law. 
So he's I, I'm drawing blank on his name right now. Oh, Republican James uh, uh, Scheinbrenner, Sensenbrenner, Sensenbrenner. That's right. Thank you. Yep. Uh, he's submitting this new USA Freedom Act that uh, it, now there's some different um, proposed modifications to it, but essentially curtails completely the NSA's ability to do bulk collection. And it's ahead of the other bill that's really essentially codifies bulk collection. So the Feinstein bill sounds great, has another great title, but what it really does is it it, it it sets up a legal structure and codifies bulk collection. USA Freedom Act, unless it gets modified too much, essentially ends bulk collection. And the one that ends bulk collection, the USA Freedom Act, made it to the floor first. Well, not only it made it to the floor, but has unanimously made it to the uh, through the committee. It was a vote of 32 to 0, yeah. the bipartisan vote, making it the first surveillance reform bill to proceed out of the committee. Are you feeling better about this one? I'm feeling a little bit better about this one because obviously it made it to the floor. But the problem I have it with making it to the House floor is right now, yeah, I made it out of the subcommittee. Yeah. But, man. It's got a long journey. What, right now our Congress success rate is in the teens. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, don't even – So I'm yeah. still pessimistic, yeah, but yeah. at least it made it out of the out of the committee. All right. Well, how about some actual changes being made in the private sector starting very soon? Ooh. Major tech companies and presidential advisors are making a new push to ensure that you are made aware if your emails are being snooped through by the government. In a defiant move, companies like Google, Apple, Microsoft, and Facebook have decided to stop silently complying with government data seizures. They say they're Users have a right to be informed when the government demands access to their emails and online data. Google alone receives tens of thousands of user data requests from the government every year. And that number, as you can see, is growing. Prosecutors say the tech company's defiance could undermine their investigations by tipping off criminals in time for them to destroy evidence. But following last year's disclosures about national security agencies spying, the tech industry is eager to distance itself from the government and win back its clients. So this is really going to apply to um, the local authority requests and the FBI stuff, uh, which is the which is the vast majority of the requests these tech companies get. Yeah. It does not and cannot apply to any request that is legally classified. So something that would have fallen under the category of a national security letter, yeah. or or something that could get you know authorized by a FISA judge, yeah. the customer in that scenario will still not be notified. And so that gives them a lot of wiggle room. But if it's like, um, you know, you know, local authorities could go to Google and request information like from Facebook during a bullying investigation. Right. If that were to happen, the parents would have be, would be notified. They would know what's going on. Yeah. Right. Which I think is a good thing. Yeah. So I'm I, really I, and, the, and, the, and these I don't know when they're rolling it out, but uh, uh, they are and they're doing it on their own. Wow. A good a good step. They're doing they're going, I guess, as far as they legally are allowed to go. Baby steps. Yeah. Yeah, now if we could just try get, to keep like, at it. If we could just get like when we have the big secret, uh, it would be nice if like even if you just found out at some point, like even if it wasn't like during the investigation, if after the investigation you could find out that you were in part of hoovered up about something. Uh, all right, Chase. Well, before we go any further, before we get any further into this shenanigans, we have our biggest jump in supporters that we've seen. It's not that huge. It's not ginormous, but it's pretty big. But it's pretty thankful as well. And I want to start by saying thank you to Matthew M. The Clan R. Eakin? Eakin K. Uh, David P. And Techno, who now bring our total unfiltered supporter number to 383. You know what's so cool about 383? 383. It's the same frontwards and backwards. Oh, I like that. Isn't that nice? So uh, thank you guys very much. We needed. I, I honestly, I thought it was only one, um, 
and I was kind of bummed all day because Aww. it's like I know that we 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 covered the bare cost of running the show every week, but it's also like I see it as a reflection of people saying thank you for what you're doing, yeah, and getting new supporters on and wanting us to grow it. Like uh, we're getting we're really working more on video for the supporter show. So when you become an unfiltered supporter. Not only are you keeping the main weekly show on the air that you're probably listening to right now, but there's also an additional supporter show that's a second show, essentially. We give you more stuff that you, we can't fit into more the More context. Show. Right. And now with a lot of video, too. So if you want yeah. more video on the Unfiltered Show, become a supporter and you'll get that. Plus, you get the BitTorrent sync with all of our clips, all of our notes. That's a great way to just get the files automatically every yeah. single week. There's an RSS feed where you can download it to your favorite podcatcher and you get that newsletter. So there's a lot of good perks in becoming an Unfiltered supporter, and it's only $5 a month for not just the four episodes a month, but also that supporter show. So you're essentially getting two episodes a week. Now, one thing we want to send an alert out to all the supporters, and we should have did this in the supporter show, is those keys are going to be changing very yes. soon. Yes, the keys will be changing yeah. um, maybe within a week or two. It kind of depends on when I get the file server all set up here to host yeah. That sync from the West Coast directly out of JB1. It's still out of JBHQ right now. Yeah. But I'll move it over here probably in the next week or two, and we'll rotate the keys at that point, and that will be going out in the newsletter. So you might want to check for that newsletter so you know you've got it. Sometimes Google like you know puts it off like in one of the update tabs to bury it. To bury it, Chase. Where with all the other junk? Hey, when you bring that server over, don't forget the damn bell and the red book, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Gee. I know. I'm so sorry. You get a virtual bell. I get, like, a keyboard. That's my bad. That's yeah, my bad. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, right. I, I deserve that. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we would love to get this number up to 400. We've got some good plans as this number continues to go up. And as we're getting closer to 100, that would be a great way to say thanks. And, you know, just as sort of a testament to the reliability that you're buying into, when you become an unfiltered supporter, do you know what today is by chance, Chase? Uh, well, uh, we know that it's not May the 4th. That no, would be Star we Wars covered today. that. Yeah, we it's did bigger that right. than May the 4th. Uh, today, no, it's not of the mile. today, yeah. today, yeah. this episode of Unfilter uh-huh. will be the 1,000th, 500th public video uploaded to the Jupiter Broadcasting Channel. Wow. 1,500 1, YouTube 500. videos. Now, there's actually been more that have been uploaded, but YouTube has pulled. Yanked. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's actually, it's been over 1,500 in total uploads, but publicly available that you can actually watch 1,500 right here. And, and you know what? That's, uh, that, that right there is a testament itself. This is the train that you can buy into that we will continue to deliver. I can't say that about the U.S. dollar, but I can say that about the Unfilter Show. So thank you to all of our 383 Unfilter supporters. Three, frontwards and backwards. Okay, let's do a Ukraine update. This is a story that has been developing really rapidly in the last couple of weeks. It's really picked up speed. It is not necessarily for the better. There has been some interesting develops, developments as of today, but I want to start with some of the violence that happened uh, in between shows. In southwestern Ukraine, dozens have been killed in a large fire connected with the unrest there. The numbers have varied, but local police tell the Associated Press that more than 30 people are dead after the local trades union house was set ablaze. It began in the midst of a standoff between Ukrainian government supporters and anti-Kiev activists. Today was marked by violence between those anti-Kiev protesters and the Ukrainian military, in fact. At least three Ukrainian troops and two anti-Kiev fighters were killed after the government launched a military assault on the eastern city of Slavyansk, which is held by anti-government protesters. So I've been reading a lot of reports that there is uh, the number the number of CIA agents is being quoted as absolutely staggering that are on the ground in the Ukraine. Uh, and there's also, oddly enough, 
a lot of FBI agents on the ground. Wait, now, why re- would the FBI be down there? Uh, now, the, reportedly, the official reason that the uh, FBI is in the Ukraine right now is to help find stolen artifacts from the previous regime. No, no, that's that's a movie that was just out uh, called Monument, Monument I know. Man. I th- literally, this is what they're saying. And here's what's really odd about this. So you remember uh, Biden goes over there, Kerry goes over there, then John Brennan does an emergency flight over there, guarantees them access to intelligence, then supposedly a quote-unquote staggering amount of CIA agents enter Ukraine, FBI agents enter Ukraine, and the violence goes gets way the F amped up, that seems a little suspicious to me. And what I think is particularly interesting is, so here's what's happened, is pro-Russian militants have taken over government buildings, uh, you know, uh, offices, mayor's offices, police buildings. Yep. They've taken these places over, so the, the new Ukrainian government sent in military action to try to stop them but as they're rolling into these places once again hordes of the public in those areas are like putting their bodies in front of the tanks trying to stop them so when they're going in there they're not just fighting the pro-russian militants but they're fighting the vast majority of people exactly early this morning ukrainian forces pushed towards slovyansk a city that has been under the control of pro-russian rebels for nearly a month But few in this crowd welcome them. We want them to leave. That's it, this woman said. We don't have weapons. We don't have anything. Many here in eastern Ukraine support Russia and view the government in Kiev as hostile. Today, both the government and the separatists say two Ukrainian helicopters were shot down in the fighting. Now, you got to wonder how these uh, separatists have the ability to shoot down a helicopter. Uh, the Ukrainian government says that one of them was shot down with a uh, surface to rocket type or ro- whatever it's called. They'll say it here in a minute. Like, you know, like an actual like rocket launcher. Yeah. Seems like pretty heavy gear for quote-unquote separatists to have. This amateur video shows a plume of smoke where the helicopter apparently crashed, though no wreckage has been found so far. The Ukrainian government also claimed a surface-to-air missile brought down one of them. That hasn't been verified, but U.S. intelligence sources are treating the report as credible. One of the pilots, visibly injured, was later paraded around in a video released by pro-Russian militants. Ukrainian forces appear to stop at the edge of the city, but Vyacheslav Ponomaryov, the self-proclaimed mayor of Slavyansk, claimed there had been many casualties. We were attacked, he said. Our city is under siege. The offensive came as violence ratcheted up again. Yesterday, militants took over the prosecutor's office in Donetsk. Police attempted to fight back with tear gas and stun grenades, but were overwhelmed by the crowd and fled. This is pretty intense. And what's, yeah. what we're building towards is on May 25th, there's going to be an election yeah. for the new president. Now, uh, Putin is kind of of a mixed uh, stance on this. He said publicly that he backs the new elections on the May 25th. Yep. However, he takes issue with the fact that there's no pro-Russian candidate in the run for the first time in quite a while. So he said that he would not he – he would say that the vote decides nothing if the rights of all citizens are not protected. Uh, Mr. Putin also, by the way, today announced that he's pulling back his troops from the border. So uh, you know, one of the things that's got people all kinds of worked up 
is this board this this buildup that's been on the uh, the border of the Ukraine and Russia? And hey, remember, he's been saying this is just exercises; they're just performing exercises, right. nothing more. So he says, oh, look, Russian president, the Russian president says Moscow's pulled its troops back from right. the Ukrainian border. Vladimir Putin was speaking after meeting his Swiss counterpart, who's also an OSCE chairman. We've constantly been told that our troops near the Ukrainian borders are stirring concerns. We've pulled them back. Today, they're not located near the Ukrainian border, but at the locations of their regular exercises. And I wonder if this was almost like as a nod of respect to Merkel, because she was over here talking tough, aligning with Obama, and, uh, you know, supposedly Putin and Merkel are on fairly good terms. I think they have a good economic partnership as well. So I wonder if this was sort of like... or, or if he really is just deciding, okay, the West is getting very serious, let's de-escalate a little bit. Well, I, I think it has something to do with those elections. I really do. because He if, doesn't want to be seen as interfering, maybe? Right, because if he's there on the border with all his troops— They're going to think that, yeah. And then you have the election happening. They may think, well, the results are only happening that way because of your troops on or the border. Or if they don't go the way he wants, he'll send right. the troops in. Right, so if he pulls them back now, right. then there's really no interference or no side story during yeah. the election. And, yeah, it gives time for the elections yeah. to happen. That's what I think. But, I, you know, he says he's not going to support the outcome of the elections because— But how is he supposed to know if it's uh, for the true people? Is, like, yeah, is there a particular candidate that has come out already and said, if I'm elected, I'm going to do this policy? Well, one w- had, a, had a leaked uh, voice recording where she's like, let's go drop a, a nuclear bomb on Russia. Wow. Yeah, one of them was like, let's just go melt them all, and I don't even want to have them— Bur- I don't even want their burning remains left. That kind of, Ooh. and then and then I know I don't, but I guess another one isn't very pro-Russian either. Right. Remember last week you're like, why 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 is the U.S. interested in going over there? What's well, we, the motive? Why well, we talked about this before? We we've our our theory has always been about oil. And, yeah, that's and what I following think. The money. I think it's about oil. I think it's about pipelines. I think it's about replacing the deals that Russia has with some of these countries and yep. getting U.S. goods in there. You, you this the, the XL pipeline could even be involved with this because the Keystone XL pipeline's designed to get. Crude oil down from Canada, yeah, and from get, Canada through the U.S. Yeah. and processed out the door to well, overseas. So Senator Mendez, uh, he's the guy that uh, was recently busted for uh, sleeping with underage prostitutes. However, that has fallen off the radar. <laughs> he was on CNN explaining maybe another reason why the U.S. has interest in Ukraine. What would you tell a constituent? Oh, I'm sorry, he's on MSNBC. Uh, about what our what U.S. national interest is in Ukraine. Well, first of all, it is uh, uh, about making sure that countries that are trying to move to the West into democracy, which means that we ultimately are more engaged in commerce and less likely to have any conflict with them. Oh, I love the good old spread democracy answer. That's a solid go-to. Is in the national interest of the United States. And also, the world is watching what's happening in the Ukraine. China's watching to see what the United States and Europe do uh, as it relates to Russia's aggression. They're looking at uh, territories in the South China Sea that Japan and uh, South Korea uh, claim, which are our allies, uh, and saying, well, if the, if the West does nothing here against Putin, why not advance against those territories? Iran, that's negotiating with us across the table mm-hmm. as to their nuclear weapons program, will decide, well, we can take this negotiation farther to our benefit because at the end of the day, the West won't do anything. And I could go through a half a dozen countries no, in the world yeah. for which we have critical interests that are going to be calibrating based upon what we do here. What do you think, Chase? you think that could be part of it? Iran, China, they're watching us, and they're going to calibrate their future maneuvers based on how we respond? Oh, sure. 
I, I think mean, that's I mean, likely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what country wouldn't do that? I mean, you're you're looking at your adversaries, you're yeah. looking at what they're doing, and if you're going to see how they're going to do those certain movements, I absolutely. Just, I, I guess I, but at the same time, I it, I kind of feel like uh, it's one of these scenarios where you're back at the schoolyard and there is this bully who's been held back for six years in the in the ninth grade, and so oh. he's like almost in, he's almost like eighteen years old, and he's and like he's still trying to prove that he's the strongest guy in the room when he's like got tactical advantage like by a multitude, right? Yeah. Like, does the U.S. really have to prove that we're capable of de- defending our interests? I don't think we have that. I don't think there's. I don't think anybody's questioning that. But you know what, though, it's all about maneuverability and and showing off and that you have the political what, will too, showing that you have the political and will. And then how? What has the U.S. ever backed? away ever i it's one of those things i don't i it's hard to even think well we just always pat ourselves on the back and call it a success i mean yeah i mean at, we put banners up on air look at iraq areas. look at vietnam right look what we're doing in afghanistan yeah. we don't well, there's no there's no winning we're eventually backing away we're just doing it in a very awkwardly like kind of like nah dog, we're not backing away we're, we're good we're good uh it's security y'all uh but yeah I, but i do think there is some truth in what mendez says there now since Putin has agreed to be a good guy and pull his troops back, there's only one way the U.S. should respond, right? We should be happy. Thousands of U.S. troops in Europe will join seven major military exercises in the coming weeks in Germany, Georgia, the Black Sea, the Baltics, and in Ukraine, where in July, 11 nations, including the U.S., will train together. So thousands of troops from different nations will be training in the Black Sea and the Ukraine starting in July. Okay. CNN has learned the Pentagon plans to fly B-2s and B-52s in a Baltic Sea exercise next month. A U.S. official insists the heavy bombers would not fly in the immediate region. That would be too provocative. (laughs) But a message still the same. The U.S. will defend Eastern Europe. Yeah, buddy. And and of course, uh it's you know, when we're doing the military training exercises, that's no big deal. No, no, it's no and we're not uh, we're not being terroristic at all. No, we're not antagonizing. No. 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 It's just a show of strength. You know, as, as the jet goes by in the yeah. background. <laughs> B-52 bombers. <laughs> Jeez Louise. I don't think we'll be dropping bombs, at least I hope not. Uh all right. So that's that's the Ukraine update. The situation developed so fast that like by the time the show even gets out, it's changed. Uh but before we go any farther, I want to end on a high note. Oh, I love it. It's time for another getting high note. You know, You know, we don't have like a... I know. Uh, but we do have a... Hello, everybody. So there's that. I'm going to take a roof hit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know who we haven't heard from in a while? Uh Oh, you want to... Should I ask him? No, no, not him. No. I'm talking about the wolf man. I know. So, I mean, I, I, he's in the other room. Uh, I can see if he's out there. Hey, hey, hey uh, wolf. Hey, wolf. This is CNN's Wolf Blitzer, and you're in the Situation Room. Right now, here in the Situation Room, I'm in for Wolf. My name is Chase, and we're going to go now to Washington State, where Chris, one of our correspondents in the Weed Arena, is going to give us some more information about possibly situation, some situation study room. happening with marijuana. Chris. Oh, hi, oh, hi, thanks, Chase. Yeah, breaking news happening right now. The American Academy of Neurology has released their report on the FSC and safety. I'm Wolf Blitzer. 
of medical marijuana in select neurological disorders. This is huge news. It is a confirmation of a massive study chase. I don't know if you're still there, but I have to tell you, this study was conducted by review of data from 1948 to 2013. This is a massive study, the largest in its time. I'm Wolf Blitzer. They reviewed 34 studies in total, eight of which were rated as a class one. How about that? That is that is incredible news coming to us from the marijuana state of Washington. Happening now. Happening right CBS now News here in the CNC University. correspondent, Dr. John LaPoug, and CBS News contributor, Dr. Holly Phillips. First up, a new report on medical marijuana. 21 states in the District of Columbia now allow it. But until this week, little was known about whether it can effectively treat neurological disorders. John, there's a new study on all this. What does it say? Well, first, you have to put it in context. The reason why there is a big study is that for the very first time, we're having a drug that's being legalized by voter fiat, state by state, not by the FDA. So it's not gone through the usual FDA approval process, which is rigorous and looks for side effects and what's the dosage and what are the risks and what are the benefits. So the American Academy of Neurology took a look at the possible benefits in terms of neurological problems. They looked at multiple sclerosis and found that it was, in fact, effective for treating spasms, muscle tightness, and pain. We've also heard about the use of medical marijuana for epilepsy and for seizures. Does it talk about that? It does. It looked at some other conditions. Um, it found that it was not effective for controlling the abnormal muscle and limb movements that you can get as a result of medications in people who have Parkinson's. Uh, there was not enough evidence to say whether it was effective for treating the ticks of Tourette's syndrome or also for treating seizures in epilepsy. Now, a little caveat there. It's not that it wasn't affected, it, that w there wasn't enough evidence. And I think this points to the fact that it's been decades that we've had the opportunity to, f to study this. We haven't because it's illegal. And really shame on us in terms of the medical profession that we haven't been able to figure out what the, shame what the effects us. of it are, what the risks. This is pretty, you know, shame on us. And listen to how, listen to how the uh, host of this uh, program wraps it up. Some benefits are, and I think now we're having medical organizations like the American Academy of Neurology scrambling yes. to figure out, okay, let's do the studies. Right, John. Now the researchers are really trying to catch up to the availability now and the possible promise of, of, of the drug. The possible promise. This is on network news. That's just crazy to me. Uh, now, that was your good weed story. You ready? Oh, oh wait. Well, we, we're fair and balanced, right? <laughs> right. So what has the, our local news been harping on? Oh. It's this hash oil explosion. Oh, no. And I, what wait, I, who is it this time? Have we heard from is, King 5? Is it back to Q13? This is, um, is it Fox again? I think this is Fox. So it's Tribune. We've, gone, we've bounced back and forth now. Uh, and what I love about this one is the way wow. the, the, uh, the report is structured, it almost, it almost has the assumption that people never did this before it was legalized. Like, this is only a thing that started since legalization. A new warning from police tonight about hash oil. They say the lure of illegal profits has led to a rash of fiery explosions here and in Colorado. The oil from just one pot plant can bring in up to 3500 bucks. Since legalization in Colorado, there has been at least eight hash oil explosions in Denver, with seven more suspected. And that's because of the extremely volatile butane gas used to extract the oil. And people don't realize that when they're doing this, they're standing in that cloud of vapor and... Uh, any type of ignition source from a, uh, a spark from a, a light switch or a refrigerator, pilot light, anything like that can cause that ignition source. 
There have been more than half a dozen hash oil explosions in our area since recreational marijuana was legalized. Two men were arrested for making hash oil after an explosion damaged two apartments in Kirkland. And also a residence in Mount Vernon blew up last August after a group tried to extract hash oil. And in Bellevue, 10 units were destroyed at the Hampton Greens apartments. Investigators found supplies used to make hash oil there as well. Now, what's kind of just ridiculous on its face about this hash oil story is you can see how they preface it like it's only a thing since it's been legalized. Right? No, it's been happening for how long? And by the way, there's still yet in the state of Washington no way to recreationally buy this nope. stuff legally. Nope. So it's not like these are being manufactured for store sales. These are still being made for the black for, market like yep. they always were because yep. there's nowhere to sell them. But, but now we need to talk about it <laughs> right. because it, now that it's legal, we got to show you and make you feel like, wow, these are potential negative side effects that you probably didn't consider you didn't, you know, in our American Look what economy. you did, dumb voters. You, you, you just created all these problems. No, actually, maybe... They've already been there. Maybe if there was a legalized outlet and you were buying these from stores, then people who are professionals well, making these wouldn't be making them in some random-ass low-rent apartment. Well, not only that, but maybe you should get off your ass and get it done quickly because this has been such a slow and I know. painful Colorado's process. raking in the money. Well, good news, Chase. That process has gotten a little closer. The lottery's in! The lottery results are in! Lots of lottery winners are around the state are smiling today. It's not the kind of lottery you may be thinking of. Oh, they Mary. want the right to a retail <laughs> license to sell marijuana. Come yeah, before us, Matt Markovich is here with the story. Matt? Mary. Well, many were notified yesterday, but the list was made public today. Now, the state set a limit of 334 retail licenses to sell marijuana Can to adults in the state. Yeah. Why that such an arbitrary number? I, I, it's got to be like, uh, like uh, some, some bean counter ma- thing, right? Some mathematical formula. Like, we, well, we have, we've looked at the grids of the uh, state of uh, and Washington. And we have and, uh, 402. That's too many. Yeah. But if we have 250, right. that's too few. And so what we need to do is make yeah. sure we're properly dispersed in these areas. Right. That's what it has to be. All right. Now, here, here's another question okay. that I have. And, and All right. I know you may or may not know this. Oh, okay. So the state of Washington, uh, individual cities and towns uh, can have moratoriums set up right. where since they don't have quite rules in place, and they don't feel do. comfortable. Like Snohomish? Like Snohomish, the city of Snohomish, city of Marysville. Yep, yep. Uh, there's some other cities in our county. And so when I looked at this list, this lottery list, there are some city, uh, some uh, places that got licenses, that won licenses that are in cities that have moratoriums. Well, they're going to talk about that. So okay. that, so there's you get the lottery, and then there's sort of a review process. The state was broken into 75 regions, and 28 of those areas had more applicants than licenses to give. So oh, they held no. a lottery in those areas, and today the winners saw dollar signs. Ding, ding. How important is winning the 502 lottery? When I first found out, I screamed out, you know, out loud, and then I started crying. For Rain City owner Matthew Siegel (laughs) and his business... I'm going to make so much money. I'm going to be printing green as I grow it. Get it? It's a huge win. Came in at number two, um, and so I've never won a lottery before. Number two out of 11 possible chances in unincorporated King County. 75 jurisdictions in the state had lotteries for a limited amount of licenses to sell cannabis to the general public. Winners will now get the right to a retail license if their paperwork is approved by the state. Oh, Not approved, the next in line gets ah, a chance. There you go. But not everyone is rejoicing. Many applications were thrown out on technicalities even before the lottery started. And tonight at 6 o'clock, six o'clock we'll have one of those applicants. <laughs> you want to hear it again? 6 o' what? Uh, you want to hear it again? Wait, wait, what time is the next story? On technicalities even before the lottery started. And tonight at 6 o'clock, six o'clock we'll have one of those applicants. And <laughs> 6 o'clock? Isn't that great? Uh, six o- I was waiting on a clip for that. Lottery started. And tonight at 6 o'clock, six o'clock we'll have one of those applicants. And they'll be wow. pleading their case. And already the state has said, Mary, that they made a hey, mistake. Mark, and it's not going to be the first. 
Mark, you need to lay it off a little bit. You've been hanging out in too many pot shops. And then Mary says, it's very competitive. First story we hear about that. Oh, this has become hugely competitive. Oh. Matt, thank you very much. So insightful, Mary. Oh, so insightful. Hey, 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 Mary's. She's all right. She's all right. She's good. She's she's all right. She's good. She's all right. She's good. I don't know, Chase. She's all right. She's good. She's good for local television. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. All right, buddy. <laughs> was there anything else we want to cover before we get out of here? No, no. But there, there is one thing I want to. What can uh, Barack to show. Obama? Do? Oh, what can what can Barack Obama do? What can Barack Obama do? What can Barack Obama do? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry, I just love that. <laughs> I know what Barack Obama can what do. What could he do, Chase? He can go to the Unfilter subreddit, Chris. Oh, where That's would he right. find that at? At unfilter.reddit.com. And there are some great stories. One of the hottest stories right now, why I'm an Unfilter subscriber. Got 12 upvotes. Really? I didn't right. see that. That's yeah, awesome. It's number one right now on the hot list. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate it. Hopefully it says good things. Yeah, no, it does. Okay, good. good. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd remove it. Uh, but no, I'm, just, I'm no, kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. Uh, but I want to remind you guys, this is where you can submit your stories to become a part of the Unfiltered Show. Yep, yep. Upvote, downvote, even comment. Yep. We have 1,283 awesome readers of the Unfiltered subreddit. So subscribe today. Be a part of the process. Yep. That's another way to help support the show and uh, give back a little feedback to us, engage the community, and give us a little pulse on what you'd like to hear. Now, Chase, if I yeah. wanted to talk to you, follow you throughout the week, yeah. where would I go? Well, you can go to Twitter.com. What? Slash Nunes, N U N E S. And there, uh, you can uh, follow my life in 140 characters hey, or less. Would you like to follow me on Twitter? You can. You know, and you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L A S. Boomsies. Oh my God. Look at look at that beautiful picture. Thanks. Isn't Thanks. that gorgeous? I'm talking about the background. You know, did you hear that there's <laughs> rumblings under Mount St. Helens again? Uh oh, fear. We'll fear. talk about it in the post show. Oh boy. Uh, and also, don't forget, Chase also has some shows of his own. Yes, geekgamer.tv is the place where you can go and check out all my geeky and gaming content. Very nice, sir. We just, uh, you know, you were on a show, Chris. No, I do not remember that. Yeah, it, it was episode 256 of GGW, Return of the Show. Oh, nice. Chris was on it. We talked about a lot of Star Wars. This this go. was a good show. Well, there you go. Go, go check it out. Go, go, go over Chris to geekgamer.tv. Chris was on it. I, so he says. I don't have any recollection. I uh, think there yeah, was too much Jaeger involved. Yeah, there was too much Jaeger involved. All right, totally. well, don't forget the Unfiltered Show is live on a Wednesday. Go over to jblive.tv around 6 p.m. Pacific, jupiterbroadcasting.com yeah. slash calendar to get that in your local time. All right, oh, everyone. Wow. Well, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of the Unfiltered Show. We'll see you right back here next, next week. week.